How's everyone this morning? Let's try that again. How's everyone this morning? It's awesome. If you've been here the past several weeks, you know that we are in the midst of a lengthy, lengthy teaching series on the Trinity. With some breaks, we began a four-week series on the Holy Spirit. We had several guest speakers that I hope you enjoyed as much as I did. How many of you enjoyed Dick Foth last week? Wasn't that awesome? I was so challenged and so moved by his message. And um, so this week we're getting back to the Holy Spirit again. This morning's teaching is going to be a little bit different. Here at City Church, we believe in the power of story. Ultimately, the Bible is the story of God redeeming fallen, broken humankind. And then you step into the Newer Testament, and that's where we hear God through the power of the Spirit and now through scriptures calling us to follow Jesus and to serve others. And so what we're going to be doing this morning is we're going to be taking a look at the Holy Spirit again, but half of the teaching is going to be through story. Now the verse that we're going to be using is going to be found in Acts chapter 1, but as we look at this teaching series called Tri-Unity, and this is the fourth week on the Holy Spirit, we're going to focus on Acts chapter 1, and we're going to begin reading in verse 4. Acts chapter 1 verse 4, if you're utilizing your smartphone, go ahead and get that out. I really encourage you to get the Version app. It's a free app that you can download onto your phone. It gives daily verses, devotionals, and some other things as well. But uh, you can turn with me to Acts chapter 1. We're going to begin reading in verse 4. Acts 1-4, as we take a look at the Holy Spirit. We're getting ready to read an episode of Jesus in resurrected body. The writer of the book of Acts wrote one of the Gospels. His name was Luke. He was a physician. He wrote the Gospel of Luke, and that was about the life of Jesus. The book of Acts is about the Acts of the Apostles. What happened in the first century church after Jesus was dead, buried, resurrected, and ascended to the Father? What did it look like to live the Christian life? And so Acts chapter 1 verse 4 is where we're going to pick up the reading and it says this. On one occasion while he, meaning Jesus... On one occasion, while Jesus was eating with them, he gave this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. We began the teaching on the Holy Spirit with talking about how John the Baptist broke 400 years of silence. John bursts onto the scene. He's baptizing people in the Jordan River. And John made two prophetic exclamations about Jesus. The first was that he would be the Lamb of God. The second was that although John baptized with water, Jesus would baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And so here Jesus references that. He says in verse 5, But John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? There was a Jewish belief by interpreting the Older Testament scriptures that God would send the Messiah, and when the Messiah came, he would reestablish the Israeli kingdom, the same as it was when King David was the king of Israel. So looking at him as the Messiah, Jesus is in resurrected body, and they say to him, is it now when you're going to, re- is it now the time that you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, Jesus said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. I want to push the pause button right there very quickly. I want to say something that has nothing to do with what I'm going to teach on, but it's important. I want you to notice they say to Jesus, Is now the time that you're going to restore the kingdom? 
And Jesus says to them, it's not for you to know the times or the dates. That's not your business. What is your business is what's next. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the world. Now, the reason why I want to emphasize that is this. Again, this has nothing to do with what I'm going to be teaching on with the Holy Spirit, but I think it's important. I'm aware that many of us in the Christian community recently heard some writings about blood moons and when God's going to do this and when God's going to do that and when God's going to, and there were people selling millions of copies of books. Let me be honest with you. It's horrible theology and it's not true. Jesus said that you are to worry about being a witness. Follow him. Do not get caught up in all this tangential garbage that people keep publishing and getting rich off of. Jesus looks at his disciples when they say, is now when you're going to do the thing God said that you're going to do? Is now the time? Is it going to happen now? And Jesus says, that's none of your business. When God does, what God's going to do is none of your business. What you need to worry about is being filled with the Spirit and being a witness. Here's why. Let's say that Christ returns tomorrow. Let me be blunt. Guess what's going to get you through? (laughs) Following Jesus and being filled with the Spirit. So what you do, whether he's coming tomorrow or a thousand years from now, is exactly the same. You understand this? So Jesus here is teaching his disciples, don't get caught up in all of that junk. What you need to focus on is this. Be filled with the Spirit and the Spirit's power and be my witnesses. That's what we're called to do. I'm sorry if I've offended anyone. But I've been in the kingdom of God for three decades, and that same malarkey keeps coming around and around and around. And it gets everybody in a frenzy, and it never amounts to anything. Enough said. Let's go on. Here's what the Bible teaches us. It teaches us to follow Jesus and to be filled with the Spirit. I'm going to talk more about that next week. But here's what he says. It is not for you to know the dates or times the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, all over the earth. In other words, your witness starts right here. It starts right here in Jerusalem. That's where he's meeting with them. Then verse 9 says this. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him. From their sight, Jesus ascended into heaven. As we look at what Jesus tells his disciples, it's the very last thing he says to them. And the very last thing that Jesus says to them in Acts chapter 1 is this. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. Please understand a couple of things. First of all, if any of us ever said we are going witnessing for Jesus, you need to understand that's not biblical. You don't go and witness. You are a witness. Understand this. In other words, witness is not what you do. It's who you are. There is a Greek word where Jesus could have said, the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will go witnessing. He doesn't use that word. Jesus uses the word that says you are a witness. Everything about your life is a witness and notice whose witness you are. Jesus says, you are my witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. In other words, wherever you go, Wherever you're at, whether you're in Whole Foods or Fresh Market, whether you're in Food Lion, Walmart, Kmart, or Beecroft and Bull, doesn't matter. Wherever you go, you are a witness. It's something you are, not something that you do. Now listen, 
If it's who you are, then everything you do is a witness for Christ. Everything. Your hobbies, you're a witness for Christ. On the job, you're a witness for Christ. And you go, oh no, really? You're serious. Really? Oh boy, I better quit the office gossip. Yes, you're a witness for Christ on the job. It's not a switch that we flip. It is literally who we are. By the way, the Greek word there for witness is the same word for martyr. Do you think someone wakes up one day and says, I'm going to be a martyr today? It's not how it works. It is the result of the life that you're living as a witness. Now, here's what I know. I know some of us, our view of being a witness for Jesus is something you choose to do on Thursday night when you meet a friend at Starbucks. It's just not biblically accurate. All of you in your totality is a witness for Christ. Your earthly passions, your work, your hobbies, they are all part of who you are and God wants to use all of you as a witness for him. Now, when Jesus is sitting there and he's talking to his disciples and he's getting ready to leave them, he says to them, you know what? The Holy Spirit's going to come upon you and you will receive power. And the result of that power is not so that you can have some spiritual gift and feel good. The purpose for that power is to make you a witness for me. That's what Jesus said. Now, what fascinates me, of the 11 disciples that are sitting there, seven are fishermen. Seven. Look, if you're going to ante people up and empower them to win the world, do you think you'd go down to the local crab fishing area and pick seven dudes? Probably not. You'd probably go to some department at UVA or go to some Ivy League school and you'd look for the sharpest and the best of the best. But look what happens. Jesus has 11 disciples left. One has betrayed him. 12 to 11. And seven of them are fishermen. Why? Here's why. The first disciple was a fisherman. And he had a passion. He had an earthly passion. And it was fishing. Peter, by the way, that's the second best name in the entire Bible after Jesus. But Peter meets Jesus fishing. Jesus commandeers his boat so that he can preach a message. And in commandeering his boat, he performs a miracle of a catch of fish. And as Peter, who is full on in his earthly passion is pulling in this net, he realizes it's a miracle and he understands who Christ is. Later on in Peter's ministry, he has to pay taxes, a temple tax, he's broke. And Jesus says, go down to the lake, Matthew 17, catch a fish. The first fish you catch, there'll be a gold coin. Take the gold coin out of his mouth and go pay your temple tax. How many of you are going to run down to the Rivanna and go fishing this afternoon and Look, the truth of it is, fish don't eat gold coins. Peter knew that. It was a miracle. Jesus was reaching Peter through his earthly passion. Not only that, Peter, when Jesus was dead, before he was resurrected, Peter said to the rest of the disciples, I'm going fishing. John 21, 3. And the rest said, we're going with you. Why would they have said that? Because seven of them were fishermen. Peter, we're going to go with you. Peter was their leader. It is no surprise that the first disciple was a fisherman. God used Peter's earthly passion to reach him and then used Peter's passion to reach others. What is your passion? What do you love to do? What is your earthly passion that you've always viewed as unspiritual? I promise you it's spiritual. If you love to bowl... Some people do, I hear. If you love to bowl, that's a passion of yours. God wants to use that. We have someone at City Church that loves to knit. 
How can God use knitting? I still haven't figured it out. But she's got all of these people that get together to knit with her. It's her passion. When I was young, I developed a passion, and it was for wrestling. And you look up at me and you go, we can tell. Thank you. But I grew up wrestling from kindergarten on. I grew up on a farm in Wisconsin, and wrestling was big in our community. You wrestled and played, played ice hockey. It's what you did. So I had a passion for wrestling. Wrestled all the way through, and I wasn't even near good enough to wrestle in college, so that never entered. But I have a passion for wrestling. And I've seen God use my passion for wrestling for his kingdom and to expand his kingdom and to reach others. And so when I arrived here as the lead pastor at City Church 18 years ago, I didn't go to UVA wrestling for a long time. But then I started going to the matches. And I used to just go and sit in the stands and watch. And I was just there, enjoying it. But I had a passion for it. And I loved to watch. And while I was there, I met a guy. His name's Josh Walker. So, Josh, I'm going to ask if you would come out and join me. Everyone say, good morning, Josh. Josh, if you'll sit right here. So, Josh, can you tell, tell the people in about a minute and a half how we met? So, uh, so I first came to, to City Church. Is that on? We okay, guys? Hey, can you somebody bring out the other mic? <laughs> Help if he turned it on, wouldn't it? I'm just kidding. Nice. Okay. So, uh, so I, I first came to City Church in, in 2006, and uh, it's probably helpful if I give a little bit of background about myself before then. Um, I was a wrestler. I wrestled, I uh, didn't start when I was in kindergarten, but I, I started when I was in, in seventh grade on. Wrestled all the way up through college and, and did my, uh, my college wrestling at, at Penn State. And, uh, and while I was at Penn State, I, I met a, uh, a pretty remarkable woman who's now my, my wife, and uh, and. After college, she got into to UVA Law School. And as any smart, intelligent person does, if you have a, a beautiful woman who's brilliant, you tend to sort of follow where she goes. <laughs> and uh, so, uh, <laughs> so, so we ended up down here in, in, in Charlottesville, Virginia, and I was able to get a, get a job as an assistant wrestling coach um, at the university. And, uh, and for the first year, um, that we were down here, we were engaged, and we kind of were trying to find different uh, churches that, that you know we could we could go to, and we bounced around to a couple different places. And um, my background is I'm I'm a, a my my father was a pastor, so I grew up in the church, and I uh, was looking for sort of a specific kind of church experience. My my wife grew up Lutheran. Um, that coupled with the fact that that she is an attorney meant that she questions everything. So. I, I did not have a, a one-line answer, and all the verses that I memorized growing up didn't do me any good. I, we needed to find a church where there was going to be some substance behind what was said. So we went to a couple different churches, and, and uh, one day her hairdresser recommended that we come to City Church. So we, we came in and sat down, and, and, and I remember clearly sitting sort of in the back because we didn't know anybody. And um, Pastor Pete put a, a picture of a, of a wrestler up on the screen, and I'm not talking about like Hulk Hogan ripping out of his shirt. I'm talking about an actual legitimate wrestler, like in the stands, in their stance. And uh, and I started like looking around, like, what is this? This is kind of cool. And and he actually asked the question, are, are there are there any wrestlers out there? And I was like, I did. I was like, this guy, <laughs> me, right here. And uh, and I turned to my wife in the middle of that message, and I said, you realize this is God telling us this is the church that we're coming to, right? <laughs> And, uh, and so the, 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 the rest is history. Over the next year, we, we had some great talks with Pete and, and um, you know, actually found out that if Pete hadn't become a pastor, he, he had, he had uh, looked at a you know, career in law. And so he had sort of, he was able to speak to my wife in, in the way that, that worked for us. Um, and, and so what happened is we found a church that we were sort of settled on. 
Um, but on the work front, I had some things that were kind of changing. Uh, UVA had, had hired a, a, a new wrestling coach who fortunately was, you know, kept me on the staff. But he was like a little kind of Napoleon-like guy. If he had like five too many five-hour energy drinks, he was just kind of crazy like that. And uh, his, uh, his, his name was, uh, was Steve Garland. And I got to, uh, I had asked him, I told him and some of the other guys in the staff about this church and, and how... There was a, a pastor who was a fan of wrestling because, you know, we all like to stick together. And um, an opportunity came about a year later. We, we have a youth wrestling club that we looked for uh, that we needed a place to hold a banquet um, yep. for the, the little kids. And uh, I asked Pete if we could hold the banquet back at City Church Central. And, uh, and it was a, a great opportunity to invite Steve and his wife English to come along. And, and we, uh, I invited them. And uh, I think it was... Come on out, Steve. Give him your mic. I'm going to get him for that Napoleon comment. <laughs> so, Steve, tell real quickly about your experience. So, Josh begins to reach out to you. What was your experience with Josh as your assistant coach, and kind of how did God use that? Sure, yeah. Well, <clears throat> at that time in my life, Josh is too good of a guy to say it, but I was completely off the rails in my own life, personally, spiritually, <clears throat> professionally, everything. It was... Pretty much when Josh came on, poor guy, he walked into a heck storm because, um, so I, I was the youngest head coach in the country in 2006 when I took over the program. Okay, so uh, sorry, young people, but I thought I knew everything, and I realized quickly I knew nothing. I mean, absolutely nothing. And he had to suffer through that. And then on top of that, when people ask me, well, you know, I, I have friends that are believers now, I'm like, well, what do you mean you were a different person? What, what, was, what were you like back then? The best way I can explain it is threefold without getting to gory details that you had to live through is my purpose was messed up, I had no peace and no hope. So purpose meaning my purpose was completely tied up into winning. My purpose was tied up into being the best wrestling coach in the country, and every accolade I got just feed, fed into that lie even worse till it got to the point where what I did became who I was. Does that make sense? So my purpose was completely skewed, and that's a sad way to live because when you fail, which I was doing at the time, we were doing at the time, uh, <laughs> when, you, when you fail and, and that's who you are, then who are you? You're a failure, and what do you have? And, and so the peace part, I had no relationship with God. I, had, I wasn't in right relationship with him through Christ. I had nothing there, and then no hope, meaning I thought if there was a heaven, there's no way in heck Steve Garland could get there. I just thought there's, there's got to be, unless there's some sort of amendment I don't know about, I'm out. Um, so I was just living in that darkness, and, and Josh started to live out Christ daily in my life. And I can remember bringing him out into the parking lot a couple times and putting him in my car and just listening to him and, and reaching out to him. And where I'm from in New York and the people I was around growing up, I, I don't trust anybody. Uh, and <clears throat> Josh was one, I think he was the one human in my life that I completely trusted at that time. And so basically it's amazing how God uses uh, things in a young man's life. That was the most humble point of my life because it was the most I've been failing in every part of my life. So my job was a mess. My relationship with my wife was a mess. Parenting was a mess. And, and isn't it amazing that God had me right where he wanted me? I mean, that was the absolute perfect recipe for him to humble a young man like me who needed to be humbled. And then I was finally ready to listen. And so, in short, I, that, that year I got on my knees and submitted for the first time in my life, surrendered and cried out to God and, and asked him into my heart. And I believe that's when the Holy Spirit came into my life, Pete. And that's a short time later, uh, I, my heart was ready to find a church home. And, and I remember Josh saying, uh, uh, talking constantly about City Church and about you, Pete, and and I trusted Josh. There was something different about him that I, that I thought I would follow. And so my wife and I came to the old city church, you know, City Church Central now. And I remember walking in the door and Callie was singing and the first song was At the Cross. And it was even though, <clears throat> even though I fail you, I know you love me. And the bottom line is he, I had failed in every shape, way, shape, or form. And even though I failed, I know he loves me. That lyric Bam, right there. And uh, <clears throat> so we were hooked at that point. I looked over. My wife was basically doing backflips next to me. Uh, the, the whole van ride home, she's going, I needed that. Oh, I needed that. And, and so we went from the back of the church to the middle of the church to the front. As everybody knows, now we're sitting up here with Big Mark and his wife. Uh, but, um, yeah, and then, and then, you know, the, the truth of the story is, is, is about a short time later, Pete, you were preaching. 
and, and it, the teaching was on the power of the cross, and it was the message of the cross. It was what Jesus had done on the cross that grabbed a hold of my heart and changed my eternal future, period. And, and then I was hooked, and then we were all city church all the way. And I just want to end with this, and I, this hit me last night after we met, is people don't change people. Jesus changes people. You know, people's words don't change people. The power of the cross changes people. <clears throat> and this guy lived out Jesus, and that's what brought me to city church. And Pete, you revealed the truth of the cross, and that's what changed my heart. So thank you. Amen. So Josh will remember this. When I met Josh, I had been watching Steve coach. And when he came to church and we figured out we knew each other, I said to Josh, what is it like to work with Steve? And he said, you have no idea. <laughs> so following that, the story goes on. Remember, God uses our earthly passions. So Josh and I meet. Josh invites Steve to church. And then the next guy that I want you to meet is Doc Craig Cito. So Doc, will you come out? Let's give Doc a hand as he comes. So I, I met Craig when, uh, uh, through City Church. He was a doc at the University of Virginia, and um, he had always wanted to wrestle in college, but was nev nev never able to wrestle. And so he told me this, and, and we were both wrestlers, and so I said, well, you got to meet Steve Garland. you got to meet him. And he said, who's that? I said, it's the new coach at UVA. He said, okay, great. And, and I think he, he was right behind you. And I said... Doc, meet coach. Coach, meet Doc. Tell the rest of the story. So we had just, uh, my wife and I had uh, just come to City Church, and we had been looking for a church. We were in a smaller church before, but the first day that we came in and the worship music started, um, and I'll give you a little background that, you know, I'm, I'm one of these crazy Christians who, like, hears from the Spirit, like, can feel that. And the minute we walked in, I went, honey, I, my wife is, is down here, the better part of me. But she, I just said, this is it. And she looked at me like, what are you talking about? How do you know that? And I said, I just, God's here, and I feel him, and, and this is it. So a couple of weeks later, I'm talking with the pastor, and, you know, my passion, I love wrestling. I became a Christian in high school through wrestling, and I just felt like, you know, God is just on the mats there with all of us, you know, so. That's kind of a creepy thought. God's out on the wrestling mat, but go ahead, go ahead. So as he, so as I'm talking to the pastor, I find out he, he was into wrestling, and then uh, he talked about, uh, you know, the coach. Well, I had been at UVA for eight years by then. I was teaching up there in family medicine. I was their sports medicine guy. When I got there in 2000, I went right to the wrestling room and talked with the coach, Lenny Bernstein, at that time. And I said, man, do you need a doc? I'd love to be your doc. And quickly got kicked out of there by the head trainer who said, don't ever come back here, doc. I don't want to see you. So that was, the, that was the background. So I wasn't even going near wrestling anymore because I was in trouble with the head trainer. But then um, I met Steve. And I will tell you, the moment we started talking right there at church, I felt like the Spirit said, Cito, are you paying attention here? I'm doing something. And I was like, God, I feel it. I was like, Steve, and both Steve and I kind of have a very similar story, but we, I just knew this man loved God. And, and one of the things, my heart just went out. I went, Steve, I don't know what's going on here, but God's going to do something with us, and I have no idea what that is, but let's get together, and, and, and I want to know who you are. So we met for coffee a week later. We talked for two and a half hours at Greenberries, and I was just like, I don't know what's going on here, but I think God's going to do something. And then a year later, one of the sports doctors was leaving UVA. They needed a sports doctor. So guess who had been hanging around for eight years? And, <laughs> and, and, and the head trainer was like, oh, not that CETO guy. We can't have him. But, you know, God had his way, and I was in there. And as we, I started being the team doc with the wrestlers, I just saw these kids that, that Steve was shepherding, and my heart just went out to them. They were trying to get a Bible study going, and, um, and, and it was kind of hard to get it going. And finally, I just found myself going, Steve, maybe they could have it at my house. I, I, I've never really done that, but, you know, I said, hey, is anyone interested? And the four guys that kept coming to City Church with us, they, they said, yeah, Doc, let's do that. So for, gosh, almost half a year, every Thursday night, I had four wrestlers over in my house, 
And I was like going, well, God, I'm not really sure what I'm going to say, but I'm going to tell them who you are and what it looks like to be a, a Christian. And, and, and these four guys weren't Christians at the time. Two of them were not. Two of them Two were not. Were. Yep. And, and we just started going. We used, I used the Truth Project, which is from Focus on the Family, because what, the, what they really wanted is they said, we know about the Christian things, Doc, but we're here in a university. How do I intellectually argue my faith? And I said, okay, let's do this. And, and as we got through that, I said, now, uh, this was probably a month, six weeks through. I said, guys, you know, you're learning about the Lord, and, and I've told you about my life and what God has done for me. If, if, you, if you're not a Christian, this is where it, it, it lands on you, where you take everything you've learned about Christ, and then you make a decision whether this is what you want to do with your life or not. But I, I'm not going to put any pressure on you, and I'll let you do that. And, and through that time, those two young men, you know, just came in one day, and they were like, Doc, we gave our lives over. And I was, and I was floored because that was – I'd never – done that before and I just remember going that's huge guys that's that's huge and I just knew from there and then on they were in God's hands God was going to take these two very talented young men and do amazing things with their life and that's what I wanted them to understand I said this didn't happen because doc had a plan I don't have the plan God's got the plan he brought all this together for you guys and he's got big plans for you and and from there after that we weren't able to really meet together. I was the doc for the next couple years, but then, you know, I think God took over and took these guys. Well, I want you to meet one of the wrestlers that came to Christ through Doc's study at his home, and it's John Fossey. John, come on out here. So, John, if you could tell a little bit of your story and uh, the timing of which Doc Cito kind of reached out to you, and Steve was reaching out to you about faith. Yeah, I just, um, when I came to UVA, I, I, uh, I didn't have a background of the gospel. I didn't have, I, 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 I was, had a very similar story to, to Coach Garland, and I was raised that I was traveling every weekend. We never went to church. And so, you know, and a lot of that led me to the University of Virginia. When I came here, I redshirted my first year, and... I just, it was, a, it was a dark year. It was a very, very dark place. And as I redshirted and navigated through the year, I came to the end of the year and I had just had a lot of these questions. You know, I finished the first two semesters at UVA and competed on the redshirt circuit and just wrestled at junior nationals. I like tore my hamstring. And it was just, I, I remember waking up one morning and I'm thinking, is this it? Is this all there is to life? Like, you just go on to the next phase of life. And then someday it just doesn't it just doesn't mean anything. Like what is what is life about? And I was just questioning a lot of what I was doing in life and why I was doing it and the passions I had. And at that point, at the end of the semester, uh, a teammate of mine, uh, uh, Stephen Doty and Coach Garland, they had been going to City Church for a while, and they invited me. They invited me to church, and you know it was one of those things. I was like, yeah, I would love to go to church. Um, came to church that weekend and. Um, I had met Doc Sato before in the wrestling room, but that weekend he was sitting right behind me. And we turned around, and after the service like this, we just started talking and communicating, and he's asking about what summer plans are, how the semester's going. And then a week later, he brought up the idea of, of this summer Bible study, or it wasn't even formed as a Bible study. It was like, do you guys want to come over to my house Thursday nights and have pizza? And we're like, oh, man, yeah, we would love that. And... Uh, <laughs> You feed a college student, they show up. And it was up. great. And so right. as soon as we came over, it was me, my best friend, Matt Snyder, and then two other guys that were both Christians, and me and my good friend were not Christians at all. We had all these questions about the faith, and uh, we had come over, and the first thing we realized was that we, Doc Sato penetrated our heart with just, who, like, tell me your story. Who are you? You know, and we, we shared our love for wrestling. We shared our love for medicine. We shared our life, love for deep thinking and science, and that continued for about, it continued about six to seven months, but around the four-month mark in the fall of my second year is when all these questions started building, and, you know, one night leaving Thursday from his, his house, I drove home, went, was in my apartment, and I just, it just all hit and clicked for me that, like, the, 
clicked for me that I, I, didn't, I didn't come to UVA to wrestle. I came to UVA to wrestle to lead me to Christ, and that's what happened. Um, I, thought, I had all these big goals and big dreams, and, they, and after that day, I still had those big goals and big dreams, but the bigger picture was God was using Coach Gallen, who recruited me and sat in my house to, through him to connect to Dr. Sato, to connect to me, and all of a sudden, I asked, I asked God in my heart that night, and I was like, my, I knew it. I like, my life will never be the same. My life will never be the same. And so that's kind of how I am where I am now. And as that, and I was thinking about it last night and this morning is, as that happened, I started having a relationship with my brother who wasn't a Christian. And through a couple conversations around a fire in the evenings, and he was already in college in Philadelphia, um, we had had these deep conversations and caring for his heart and what's going on. And, you know, I remember the day that, you know, about a year and a half after I became a Christian, he called me on the phone. And he said, John, like, my life will never be the same. He had given his life, his life to Christ, and he's up in Philadelphia. And just the story goes on. You know, he's a wrestling coach, and he's continuing to invest in these high school kids' lives and in his community and his church. And um, so that's where we are. So if you think, how does God use us? He uses us with our passions, our hobbies, our interests. I had an interest in wrestling, met Josh. Josh was Steve's assistant coach. He reached out and shared Christ with Steve and invited him to City Church, and Steve came to Christ. Steve meets with Doc Sato. Doc becomes the team doc for the wrestling team. Steve and Doc begin to reach out to John and John comes to Christ, and now John's brother's a believer in Christ as well, and he's a wrestling coach. Can you see how God uses us? God uses us. You are a witness for him. Whether you're out doing your hobby or you're at work, you're a witness for him, and the Spirit's power is with you to help you to do that. Over here, we've got one empty chair. This chair is empty, and the reason why it's empty is I have a question. Who is it that you're going to believe God for that will sit in this chair next to your life? Who is it that God will use in your life as you are a witness for him? This chair is empty, but I believe that God could use any single one of us before the sun sets today to have one sitting here because you believe that God uses you as a witness for him. Not just to go witnessing, but because you are a witness for him. The last thing that I need to do is I need to excuse Coach Garland. Let's give him a hand as he goes. At one o'clock today, this is an infomercial, at one o'clock today, the University of Virginia men's wrestling team, there's not a women's team, but the men's wrestling team will be wrestling ODU at one o'clock for free in Mem Gym, and uh, gonna trust that maybe you could be there to support the team and to cheer them on. We're gonna close out our time, and we're gonna do it by standing together. And as we stand together, This story is God's story of how God uses what we feel might be the unspiritual part of our lives to expand his kingdom. You are a witness for him. You don't go witnessing. You are a witness for Christ. You are his witness. And when you live your life and you say what you say and you share what you share, Christ will use it to expand his kingdom. What we're going to do as we close is we're going to take just a moment in God's presence. And as we do so, I'm going to ask with me that you would close your eyes just for a moment. And as you close your eyes, who are those people in your life? Maybe there are individuals that you've connected with through a hobby. Maybe you love to ride bikes or 
You love to do any number of things, but you've got this hobby, this earthly passion, something that you love to do. Who is it that you do that with, that you're connected with? Along with me, would you pray and ask God that by the power of His Spirit, you would be a witness for Him, that you would be a witness for Jesus, that in that context of whatever it is that you love to do, maybe it's just hanging out by the barbecue grill in your backyard with your neighbors, whatever you love to do, I want you to pray and ask God to use that that you thought was unspiritual, that you would use that for Him. That you would be believing that in that context, maybe you're coaching a bunch of kids in a sport. God's going to use you in that area of your interest and passion. I want us to think about those individuals that we do our hobbies with, that we enjoy being with. Let's just pray in this moment. The Bible says this, that you and I in Christ have the power of the Holy Spirit. But no one, but no one comes to the Father unless the Spirit draws them. So can we pray and ask the Holy Spirit to use us and then to draw people by His Spirit to Himself? Let's pray together. Jesus, we think of the people that are in our lives that have common interest and common passion. We ask that somehow, some way, that you would use those interests that you've gifted us with. That, Lord, those things we have so much fun at, God, I pray that you would use those in our lives to expand your kingdom. To think that Peter was the first disciple and he had a passion for fishing and seven out of 11 disciples were fishermen. God, use our earthly passions in spiritual ways. Lord God, I thank you for the story of what you've done through wrestling. I'm asking that every one of us over the next year would have a similar passion as we follow you and serve others. Jesus, thank you for this story. It's your story. I pray through this story that's happened up front, you'd encourage us, that you'd empower us and inspire us to be a people who are witnesses for you. And I believe for this, and I pray for it now in Jesus' name. In Christ's name we ask. Amen. Let's give these guys a hand as they exit the stage. We're going to conclude our time with a brief time of worship. If you feel that you need prayer in any area of your life, we have a prayer team that will be up front to receive you, to pray with you, and to pray for you. Whatever your need is, we encourage you to come forward. Those individuals that will be here to pray with you, they have a prayer card. If you would like prayer to go beyond just the person that prays with you at this altar, they'll be here to kind of get some of that information. They'll pass it along, and we'll be able to have our prayer teams pray for you and with you if that's what you would so choose. But I tell you what, I'm excited about the potential that's in this room. Can you imagine if the hundreds and hundreds of us choose to believe that we are witnesses by the power of the Holy Spirit? What God will do with us as we live our lives that way. So as Callie begins to lead us in worship, I want to encourage you, if you would need prayer, to please come forward. Our prayer team will meet you here to pray with you and to pray for you. At some point during this worship, Callie will dismiss you, but I encourage you just to stand and worship just for a few brief moments before you exit. God bless you, and I pray this, that the Lord will bless you, and the Lord will keep you, that he will cause his face to shine upon you and give you peace. Let's worship him together. There's nothing worth more than will ever come close. Nothing can compare your all-living hope. It's your presence. 
I've tasted and seen of the sweetest of loves where my heart becomes free and my shame is undone it's your presence Lord let's welcome him here and Holy Spirit you are welcome here come flood this place and fill the
our hearts, we welcome you into our lives. We welcome you into our families, into every relationship. We welcome you into our minds, into our bodies. We just ask that you would give us that same power that raised Jesus from the dead to live lives, that lifts up your name, that draw people to who you are. We love you and we worship you today. Pray this in Jesus' name. We're going to continue to worship this morning. We'd love for you to stay and to worship with us, but you can also feel free to dismiss yourself at any time. See? <laughs> 